often happened when the barrel was aimed toward the side of the forehead. Squeezing the trigger evidently caused the barrel to move slightly away from the temple. The bullet struck and was deflected by the thick plate of bone above the eyebrows. The would-be suicide became a vegetable. Not me, Pittman thought. He meant to do this completely. The retired policeman whose example he followed had chosen to place the barrel of his gun inside his mouth. No way of flinching and moving the barrel away from its target. And he had chosen an extremely powerful handgun, a forty-five. Pittman had gotten a drink at a bar on the way to the sporting goods store and at two other bars on the way back home. He kept a bottle of Jack Daniels in the cupboard next to the refrigerator, but he had not had anything to drink since he had locked his door behind him. He didn't want anyone to think, on the basis of a medical examiner's report, that drunkenness had led him to behave irrationally. More, he wanted to be clear-headed. He wanted to approach his last act with maximum focus. A question of procedure occurred to him. How could he justify the mess he would make? By process of elimination, he had decided that his self-inflicted death would have to be by means of a bullet. But here at the kitchen table? His blood on the wood, the floor, the refrigerator, possibly the ceiling— Pittman shook his head, stood, held the forty-five carefully, and walked toward the bathroom. He concentrated to maintain his balance, climbed into the tub, pulled the shower curtain closed, sat down in the cold white tub, and now he was ready. The forty-five's gun oil smelled sweet as he brought the pistol toward his mouth. He opened his lips, felt a moment's revulsion, then placed the hard, greasy barrel within his mouth. The barrel was wider than he had anticipated. He had to stretch the corners of his mouth. The bitter-tasting metal scraped against his bottom front teeth, making him shiver. Now. He had thought about nothing except his suicide ever since he had applied for the permit to buy his gun. The waiting period had given him a chance to test his resolve. He had exhausted every argument for and against— He had been in such emotional agony that every portion of his brain screamed for release, for an end to his pain. He tightened his finger on the trigger, but the trigger's resistance was more than he had expected. He had to squeeze harder. The phone rang. He frowned. The phone rang again. He tried to concentrate. The phone rang a third time. Pittman wanted desperately to ignore it, but as the phone persisted— he reluctantly realized that he would have to answer it. This decision had nothing to do with second thoughts, a need to give himself time to change his mind. Rather, it was a need to be thorough. A man of principle, he had promised himself that he would leave no loose ends, no debts unpaid, no favors unreturned, no slights unapologized. His will was in order, his slim assets going to his ex-wife, along with a note of explanation. His work obligations had ended yesterday, the conclusion of the two weeks' notice he had given his employer. He had even arranged for his funeral. Then who would be phoning him, he wondered. A wrong number? A salesman? What if there was some final detail to which he had not attended? He had done his best to round off his life. The phone kept ringing. He got out of the tub and went into the living room, grudgingly picking up the phone. Hello. It was such an effort to speak. 
Matt, this is Bert. There wasn't any need for Bert to identify himself. His cigarette-smoke-ravaged throat made his distinctive voice constantly hoarse and gravelly. It took so long, I wasn't sure you were home. In that case, why did you let the phone keep ringing? Your answering machine wasn't on, Bert said. Even when it's on, I'm sometimes home. How would I know that if you never answered? Pittman felt detached from the conversation as if drugged. What do you want, Bert? A favor. Sorry, can't do it. Don't turn me down until you hear the favor. It doesn't make a... Bert, we're even. We don't owe each other anything. Let's leave it at that. You make it sound like just because you quit, we'll never see each other again. Hey, we'll keep owing each other plenty. Yesterday was your last day, so you probably haven't heard. They, uh, again.